incoming transmission. This is a 2022 Hyundai Elantra in blue. It has doors and uh, seats, an engine, I think. I don't know anything about cars. Let's just cue the music. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. Live long and prosper. show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian Mr. Todd A. Davis. This particular Hyundai Elantra happens to be owned by my very special guest today, comedian and uber Lord of the Rings fan. It's Ben Jennings! Yay! Ben! Hey. <laughs> How's it going, buddy? I'm good. I'm just driving. What are you doing? Uh, I'm riding. <laughs> so, um, if you've noticed... Listeners, if you've noticed a difference in the sound quality, that's because we are currently on the road. Uh, you may have seen the episode uh, with the title, Hashtag Todd Treks. That means I am traveling. Um, I'm headed to a comedy show in Hiawassee, Georgia, and Ben's going to open for me. Um, so let's get to know Ben Jennings. When did we first meet? Do you remember? Gosh, um, I don't know. Probably radio room. Definitely comedy. Yeah, yeah. Probably radio. Oh wow, I would have thought of that beforehand. I think yeah, it was either radio room, possibly coffee underground. Uh, more likely coffee underground. Oh yes, uh, we met at coffee underground, and then I found out you made a comic book. And the second time meeting you, I asked to buy your comic book, <laughs> and you got really wide eyed. You were like, "Really?" And I was like, "Yes, I want to buy your comic book." <laughs> you're like, okay, I have some in the car. And um, and I, I bought it, and you signed it, and it's hilarious. Oh, thank I you. It. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, for those who don't know, I wrote a comic book uh, some years ago, and I'm always surprised when anybody wants a copy. <laughs> it's, it's Adam and Steve, right? Yeah, yeah, the first adventures on Earth with Adam and Steve. Uh, it's, um, you know, a friend of mine, we did, um, we did it on Facebook every two weeks for a year. And then we did a couple of little bonus content type things. Did a we collected everything. We put it on Kickstarter. Uh, we set a goal of a thousand bucks. We raised a little over thirteen hundred. Yeah. And then um, I cold called stores like, "Hey, I'm an independent comic book writer, and I've got this book. I'd like to get into your stores. Go f- <laughs> myself. Okay, thanks. Have a good one. <laughs> it's hard out there, but it's not completely unlike stand-up comedy. Let's get into your background a little bit. Yeah. When was the first time you took the stage? It was downtown Greenville. Mm-hmm. Um, it was at... It was a... Um, it was a music venue near the baseball field. Oh, I can't remember what it's called. Chikora Alley? Not Chikora. I think that was second. Uh Wow, I thought I would have this in my memory forever. <laughs> it was a meaningful experience. Oh, <laughs> uh, they don't do common anymore. Dang it. 
I'll think of it later. Yeah. But uh, who? Yes. So, like, when did you first become a fan of stand-up? Like, what was? And I mean, we're gonna we're gonna get to some Star Trek stuff here in a moment, folks. But this is this we're peeling the onion. We're peeling the onion that is Ben Ben Jennings here. <laughs> Do you remember like a a first time or like an early experience, like seeing stand-up and being like, "Oh, this is the thing." Oh yeah, uh, Brian Regan. Good choice. Um, I was nice. I was raised in a pretty um, strict household. Mm. Um, my parents have since very much loosened up, <laughs> uh, but we there was not a lot of joking around. Mm. And then I, I uh, was introduced to Brian Regan by some friends. I was homeschooled, so we had very limited. So access. that's what's wrong with you. <laughs> yeah, so, okay, yeah. all right, all right. Well, I have plenty of bits on stage about it. It's, it's great. <laughs> um, and I saw my dad just react like he was roaring in laughter. Um, and I, I didn't see him laugh a lot at that time. He does now. But at that time, he didn't laugh a lot. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, comedy makes my dad happy, and I want to make my dad happy. <laughs> and uh, yes. so I would, quote, I would memorize and then quote back to him Brian Regan bits that he hadn't heard or had heard. And uh, that was my introduction to stand-up. Um, I was probably in sixth, seventh grade. Oh, nice! And um, yeah, we we didn't listen to a lot of music. I I didn't I didn't listen to my first non-Christian song until like ninth grade. Oh wow! So I have no idea. I don't know a lot about music still. Oh yeah, um, same boat, same boat. Yeah, but uh, I got into comedy before I even got into secular music. <laughs> um, so and I and I always say to people because. Um, I've been asked, you know, what concerts have you been to? And it's, it's a hand. I can count probably in one hand how many actual music concerts I've been to in my life. Yeah. But something yeah. I say to everybody, I always say, uh, comedy to me is what music is to most people. Because mm. it just, I don't know, does something for me. Um, it, it's meetings that I follow, that I study, that I listen to more than I do music. Oh, yeah. Pod- podcasting included. Yeah. Comedy podcasts or Star Trek podcasts. Ah. <laughs> uh, any, anything nerdy or funny related is, uh, is what I love. Nice. Yeah, you know, getting it, you know, you mentioned, um, you compared comedy to music. I've compared comedy to cups of coffee. Um, because when I, back when I had a regular nine to five, um, as, you know, most people would listen to either the radio to uh, you know, to local news or to music to kind of get them pumped up for the day. I would listen to stand-up comedy because I felt that sort of kickstarting my brain and like it was getting me in that analytical train of thought. Yeah, you have to pay attention. Yeah, and you know, really looking and studying, like you like you said, studying different comedians and looking at technique. Um, you know, cadence, joke structure, all of those things, it becomes really, really important. So you mentioned, uh, Star Trek podcast, and this is of course a Star Trek podcast. Um, so let me ask you, you're, you're a fan of quite a few fandoms. Do you recall, do you recall your earliest fandom? Uh, Star Wars. Okay. Star Wars for sure. Um, that's a good one. Oh yeah. I, 
I kind of have a joke in my act about, like, my dad tried to get me into sports at an early age, <laughs> and um, he started with golf. <laughs> um, okay. I, I did enjoy soccer, but my dad tried to get me into sports, and then he messed up when he showed me Star Wars. <laughs> uh, and I was like, oh, no, this this is way better. No, this is, this is way better than sports. Oh, way better than sports, so... <laughs> I enjoy sports highlights for those sports fans listening. Yeah. Um, I love sports highlights. Any sort of, like, um, incredible feat done by a human in a sports game, no matter the sport, uh, is intriguing. But I don't want to watch six hours every night just to see a couple good plays. Yeah. Yeah. Not my thing. I got stuff to do. (laughs) (laughs) I got stuff. I got jokes to play. Yeah. (laughs) Shows to go to. Absolutely. Um, Speaking of shows to go to. Kind of surprised your lady's not with us. Does she not go? Oh, she goes to a lot of my comedy shows. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, it was, she is under the weather. Oh, okay. And uh, would would have gone if she were feeling 100%. But it is kind of far. I mean, it's a five-hour round trip. Yeah. And she supports yeah. me at all. At <laughs> anything that's not an open mic. She's been to a few open mics and was like, mm, no. <laughs> these are bad. And like, yeah, they are bad. Oh, yeah. It's... Um, it, you know, getting into getting into stand up, you kind of there's there's a term, a kind of a sports term, but it's working out like working out material. You know, you write a joke, you think you've got something, but you actually have to do it in front of a crowd oh, yeah. to make sure that it hits all the right notes and hits, you know, that right tone to get that specific uh, desired reaction and where comics do that is at open mics just because you go to a lot of open mics doesn't necessarily make you a professional working comedian (laughs) you actually have to get paid to do that sort of thing um but you know going to open mics is where the bulk of the work is done you actually have to you actually have to refine the material. It's the editing process. Like anybody in film, anybody who works in prose um, or any kind of written word will tell you the real art is actually in the editing. Um, yeah, that's true. So let's get back to your fandoms here for a second. Okay. So Star Wars was the big one right off the bat. Big one, yeah. Um, it was the I, first time I was ever allowed to stay up past, I think, like 7.30. Ooh. Uh, my dad, I, I shared a room with my brother growing up, and I have, I have three younger siblings. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had a few privileges being the oldest, I suppose. But <laughs> he told me, he's like, hey, when your brother falls asleep, come downstairs, I want to show you something. Um, I, I was older than a kid. I was definitely like nine or ten. I was at least ten, I think. Okay. Just kind of old um, to watch Star Wars for mm-hmm. the first time. Mm-hmm. But I went downstairs, and he put in the VHS. And we uh, we watched Star Wars, and I was up past my bedtime watching a movie. Like I, it was so many, so many like excitement, emotions, and memories tied to emotions. So like I hit is like ingrained. Oh yeah, that's it a big ingrained in me. And I thought when Luke first lit up his lightsaber, uh, that was the coolest effect and sound <laughs> that I've ever seen on TV before. Oh yeah, and I just thought it was, I thought it was awesome. Uh, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. That's a that's a really great time to be introduced, you know, when you're a kid. And I've, I've talked about it at length on the show here about star Wars being very coming of age. It's perfect for kids because it's kind of like 
finding out who you are, growing up, breaking away from your parents and, you know, all that stuff. And then Star Trek being the perfect, you know, sequel franchise to get into because Star Trek kind of assumes that you know who you are. And it's kind of, okay, now that you know who you are, this is how you go. You know, and like this, you know, understanding that you're going to interact with people who are different than you and, and all of that's okay. We can all learn and grow together. Um, so have, I know I've seen you in cosplay as Gandalf <laughs> and it's, and it's solid. Yeah, it's solid cosplay, sir. Oh, yeah, it was, I, I bought a movie, um, replica, authentic movie replica of his staff Ooh. and pipe. Oh, wow. I bought a costume online. And I, I think I spray painted my beard when you saw me yep. gray, <laughs> or a hat that I bought separately. Um, and yeah, I, I, Gandalf's probably my favorite character in Lord of the Rings. Something I was also introduced to at a young age. I was not allowed to watch Harry Potter because uh, of course, no, all bunch of witches, a bunch of witches and witchcraft and magic. And, but you know, Lord of the Rings and Narnia are perfectly fine. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, <laughs> I'll take what I can get, Mom and Dad. <laughs> Um, wait, wait, wait! What was what was first, Lord of the Rings or Star Wars? Um, Star Wars was first. Okay. My dad thought that I would be too scared of the Urukai when I was young. Okay. And he he let me watch the first one, and then would fast forward the scene where Viggo Mortensen and uh, the Urukai um, Lurts were battling at the end of the very first movie. Oh, okay. Uh, fellowship. Yeah. And he would fast forward it because he's scary and like bad, like a guy gets killed. Spoilers. Yeah, yeah. For a hundred year old book. <laughs> um, but he knew like Boromir's death would kind of mess with me and just the scarier guy works. So he, we rewatched the Fellowship of the Rings probably six or seven times within fast forwarding the scene and we never got to the second two movies because he wanted me to wait until I was like a couple years older. So I've, I've seen the fellowship just way more times. <laughs> the ratio of that that movie in my memory is so far off from the other two. Nice. Uh, and my favorite ended up being uh, Return of the King. Of course, the multitude of endings. Oh yeah, <laughs> twenty Oscars. Oh yeah, up. yeah, yeah. I mean, I joke, but like it, those are super well made movies. Yeah. Those are really good. Oh yeah. Um, you almost do need all of the endings. Yeah. If you're ending a three movie. Uh, yeah. Like a 12 hour adventure. Yeah. You kind of need like to wrap up everything. It makes sense. Yeah. So what other fan? Oh, that, the one thing I was going to ask was like, I've seen you cosplay as Gandalf. Have you ever done stand up as Gandalf? No, that would be awesome. You've done stand up in costume though you before, shall right? Not laugh. <laughs> Yes, I did. Um, I did stand up as Spider Man, full Spider Man costume. Nice. Uh, my lesson learned was buy a cup. <laughs> so, yeah, so the audience, the audience was a little distracted during my set. Oh. I, uh, I had a few good ones. <laughs> uh, I had a few good ones in there. I think I had a clip online. Nice. <laughs> but I, I, I've also done stand up. I think there's one other costume, but I'll, I'll think about it later. Was it Buzz Lightyear? Yes, it was Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> Not as authentic of a costume, but I bought bullet wings, some 
bottles and gloves, and I had the t-shirt, and I had matching shoes that I ordered from China. Um, I make I make a good Buzz Lightyear. Oh, that's awesome! I can see you as Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, I love Buzz Lightyear. Uh, for those who don't know Ben, he's he's got a bit of a Disney leading man quality to him. I I have uh, <laughs> yeah I um, I have a Peter Pan complex, <laughs> <laughs> which is why I'm struggling <laughs> turning thirty this year. That is gonna mess with me and not oh. let me grow up. Oh man. Wait till you wait. Wait for the next one. I'm turning forty this year, and it's thirty is basically forty. Forty is basically fifty. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, you know, when we met, I think I think it probably was Coffee Underground Radio Room was quite like our first couple of interactions, and. So it, it's rare that I'm able to get somebody on the mic who has seen me do stand-up and really grill oh, yeah. them as to what they think of my stand-up. So what were your thir- first thoughts about Todd A. Davis and his stand-up comedy? Very polished. <laughs> uh, in a good way. I thought you were one of the best comics there. Oh, man, that's nice. And Thank you. <laughs> you had actual material, real jokes that you had written and planned. Yeah. Um, they all had punchlines. They all had setup punchlines. Um, you you can definitely tell that you like structure. You you're not so much like stream of conscience or right. improv. Um, and you and, and you know, I think you benefit from it. Your your style and everything benefits from it. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, it's every, everybody's got like a different way to do stuff, but like. I think at the end of the day, from from all the comics that I've met, like throughout doing stand up, I think you can tell you can tell the ones who do quote unquote the work of like yeah. really studying, really writing, really uh, analyzing not only other comics but like analyzing themselves because mm-hmm. it's one thing to watch a lot of stand up and be like, oh, okay, I see what they did there. And there and there and yada yada yada, but to look at yourself and be like, okay, I saw that they kind of got it. Uh, this part got a laugh, but this part didn't. Maybe I need to switch it around, and then they switch it around, and maybe it still doesn't work. And then it's like, well, okay, I guess I'm gonna have to either change it or lose it. And they might give it a second, you know, go around, but you know, at the end of the day, if it's not working, you're that you're there to make people laugh. You got to get rid of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so one more thing that I kind of want to touch on, because we touched, we, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, getting ready for a nine to five and listening to stand up comedy to kind of get your head in the game and everything. What's your nine to five? What do you do? Um, I work at a uh, car manufacturing plant. Nice. It's pretty massive in South Carolina. Uh-huh. And, uh, that narrows it down. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, I ironically know nothing about cars, nor do I care about cars, and I have no passion. I didn't even know. You told me what you drove when we were meeting, and I had no idea what it was. I knew it was was like a black car, and I was like, all of her black car. I'm so bad with different vehicles. No, man. Yeah, that's one of the things that, like, if, if my car isn't starting, like, unless the gas needle's on E then I don't know how to, I don't know what's wrong with it. I don't know how to yeah. fix it. I don't know what to do. Um, 
but yeah, the, uh, yeah. So like getting the idea of being a stand-up comedian, there's actually very few people in this world who are 100% comedians a hundred percent of the time. A lot of them have other jobs, including acting. A lot of them actually, uh, you know, get work, be it on stage or on television, film. And if you start digging in, there's actually a lot of comedians that have done uh, some work in the Star Trek franchise. And I thought this would be a fun little discussion for us since we are comedians who both enjoy Star Trek on our way to do a comedy show while recording a Star, a Star Trek podcast. Um, Great idea. Getting into, yeah, some of these comedians who have uh, done some work in the franchise. Brought to you in part by our Patreon supporters, Rev J, Jerry Antimano, Cosmic Crit, Kitty B, David Willett, Ed Milner, Fleet Admiral First Class Fred Sims, and Ren, and Space Monkey 73. So right off the bat, Dr. Miglimo on Lower Decks is voiced by Paul F. Tompkins. You familiar familiar with Paul F. Tompkins? I'm going to say no. No? Oh, okay. He's got uh, some really great stuff out there. One of the things that I really enjoyed was him on Thrilling Adventure Hour. Did you ever listen to the podcast Thrilling Adventure Hour? No. It was... A podcast done in the style of old time radio. Oh, okay. That's and cool. yeah, and it was written by Ben Blacker and Ben Acker, who are comic book writers, but they would write these very elaborate serialized sketches that would be performed in front of an audience, and they would take, you know, it was like people you've heard of, like Paget Brewster, Mark Evan John- Johnson, uh, Pat Oswalt did some. Yeah, a lot of them, you know, would come in and do spots on this podcast, and it was absolutely awesome. And he, um, Paul F. Tompkins, was paired with Paget Brewster for this kind of uh, psychic medium couple. They were socialites, but they were also like in tune with the paranormal. I think it was it was called Beyond Belief. Well, Frank, I do hope today's auction is as wonderful as the last one we attended. Marvel, that last one. Best not to mention two auctions ago, though. It was the worst since ten auctions ago. And it was so funny because think Ghostbusters with no technology and super drunk all of the time. That was the show. It was awesome. It was really fun. I really love, uh, I really love listening to it. But Dr. Miglimo is the ship's psychiatrist on Lower Decks. He is a bird person. Bird person. Yeah, he is a bird person who, uh, when he's analyzing somebody, when he's giving therapy sessions, he makes a lot of food-related puns. Or is it food or fruit? I think it might be fruit-related puns. So... Everybody who sits in his chair is just constantly, like, rolling their eyes, smacking their foreheads, just being like, oh, this is awful. Get me out of here. (laughs) Tandy. Does it matter how much you know if nobody's listening? Captains have big egos. You need to cut through that and speak for science. 
Which is why you will be serving as a science officer trainee with Captain Freeman today. Isn't she busy with an important negotiation? Exactly. I want you to focus on getting the captain's attention. Really prove that you've got the grapes to stand up to her. But won't that make her mad? <laughs> oh, definitely. But yeah, Paul F. Tom Tompkins has four different specials out there. And he's a, he's a working comedian. Okay. And he's still on the show. Up next, I wanted to talk about the voice of several packlets on Lower Decks. Uh, specifically in the episode, uh, Season 2, Episode 6, Spy Humongous. Those packlets were voiced by Brian Posehn. Oh, I love Brian Posehn. He's great, right? He's so good. He's got a very... I mean, he's an older guy, but, like, he's got a very punk rock style very. to him, you know, and always has. Like, he's very, he's a metalhead. Oh, yeah. You can tell. You can tell he loves his craft, and he seems pretty humble in, like, everything, but he's in so many things. He loves nerd stuff, too. Oh, yeah. Big uh, nerd guy. And then, do you have any fun facts about him? I have one fun fact. Oh, please, yeah. Can like, give the audience, like, who he is or what he's done. Yeah. He plays the homeless guy in New Girl. Oh, okay. And Zoe Deschanel, we'll see him outside of her building in the show, like, a couple times a season. But he, he's kind of famous for that character, just the homeless guy in New Girl. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Banana in the dark. Yeah, he voices some of the Packlids, and if you're familiar with Brian Posehn's voice, and the Packlids are those creatures in Star Trek, that race in Star Trek... That are like, you fix engine, make strong, we go fast, you smart, he's good. You know, like that, That's their whole species, like the entire species is like that. Um, but yeah, he's, he's great. Uh, up next, I've got one of my all-time favorites. Uh, has been on currently, as of this recording, 14 episodes of Star Trek Discovery. Uh, in the role of Commander Jet Reno. I don't know who this is. Tignataro. Tignataro. Oh, thank Christ you guys are here. I'm Commander Jet Reno, engineering. I'd shake your hand, but I'm up to my elbow and Tellerite brains. I saw the Federation insignia. If I didn't vaporize you. Who are you expecting? Are you kidding? Maybe someone with a bat lift? Never need to see another one of those for the rest of my damn life. Wow. <sighs> Greg's head wound keeps opening up. Poor guy. Nice to meet you. Relax. Tellurite blood's rich in hemerythrin. The only place on Earth you'll find anything like it is marine invertebrates. Evolution's a fickle bitch, am I right? How long? Ten months, eleven days. Remind me never to get stranded in enemy space with a war raging. She's really good. So good. Like, do you remember? Do you remember the first thing you heard from Dick? Um, she, well, I saw her as an actor first. Okay. Um, she plays a lot of lesbian characters on television. Mm -hmm. Like, she'll usually make, like, a guest appearance. Mm -hmm. And, um, very often she's cast as a lesbian. Um, and I can't remember the show I saw her on first. But I've, I was, because I've seen her on so many. Um, and then I watched her full special. I don't know if you want me to say the name of it. Yeah, go for it. It's called Rape Joke. Uh, <laughs> you can bleep that out if you want to, but like that is what her special is called, and she talks about her um, experience with the unfortunate thing 
Yeah, yeah. Um, the Avenger, um, but makes a full special out of it, and it's very good. Um, it, it's more. I don't. Wanna, I don't want to use the word intellectual, but it's it's more of an intriguing um, special as opposed to funny. Although it is funny, there's a lot of funny moments, but it's a very long lesson and storytelling in it. Uh, but she's very talented. Yeah, I think the first thing that I was conscious of her. And, you know, to a point where I took note of her name and went and looked her up and her work later, she made an appearance on Doug Benson's podcast, okay. um, Doug Loves Movies, the game show. Okay. And for those who don't know who Tig is, Tig has little to no concept of pop culture. Like, <laughs> yeah. like if you ask her any type of trivia question if she's even paying attention to you she's not going to be able to answer it in fact they had a show i forget the name of it where they would have a famous person come on to this talk show hosted by tig notaro and the whole point of the show was tig trying to figure out who the person was <laughs> And it was absolutely hysterical. I'll see if I can find it and put put a note in the in the show notes for this episode if you're curious about it because it's hysterical. Um, it's funny. But well, I think that uh, one reason I'm kind of obsessed with pop culture right now is because I didn't grow up with it. Oh yeah, very very sheltered. We had four four things we were allowed to kind of become fans of, and so I, it wasn't until I got to really college and then I just discovered pop culture, like oh, celebrities, yeah. celebrities, and and. I don't know, uh, movies and music and just art in general. Oh, uh, yeah. And now I'm just like, I'm always trying to keep up with the times or, or as best I can. What interests me, anyway? Like, I love the Marvel movies. I mean, it's... And that is pop culture right now, is Marvel. Oh, sure. Yeah, they, they are such a... They are pretty much the tip of the spearhead in terms of, uh, you know, what is pop culture in this country, for right. sure. Um, yeah, Tick, Tick, though, has been such a great addition to the discovery cast. Um, Star Trek, I feel like has this stigma of being very serious. Uh, not a lot of fun, not a lot of joking around. And before lower decks became a thing, they brought Tig Notaro to be a part of the cast, uh, in the second season of Discovery, and it was just, you know, when I heard the announcement, I was like, oh, this is going to be really great for the franchise, and so far, it has been awesome. Um, she's so funny and so dry. <laughs> she plays an engineer. Jet Reno is, you know, like a uber-smart engineer, but approaches it very much like a disinterested, you know, <laughs> just... You're, you're, you're wasting my time by talking to me type of person. Um, and I, I actually analyzed Jet Reno a little bit deeper on an episode that I recorded with somebody uh, not too long ago. But needless to say, I think if you really look at her character and where we first meet her and her trajectory over the course of Star Trek Discovery, I'd be surprised if she didn't become people's favorites pretty quickly. Stephanie and I adopted a precious little kitten named Fluff, and uh, that's her given name. We kept it out of respect for her birth parents. 
And a couple of years into having fluff, I realized that I had never meowed at her. <laughs> so I saw her across the living room. I says to her, I says, Why do people talk like that? <laughs> to say I says to her is improper. And then to add on top of that, I says, it's like, get out of here. Up next, we've got, I'm going to get to uh, somebody that we've already mentioned on the show so far uh, as the voice of Spot 73 in Picard, Season 2, Episode 2, Penance, Mr. Patton Oswalt. It's barbaric, you know. Public executions are needless displays of authority to a people already sufficiently subjugated. It's cruel and unusual, and beyond disturbing that this day is so celebrated amongst the masses. Where am I? Of course, I say all this subject to the faith, customary between a domesticant and their master. Meow. What are you, exactly? M maybe don't tell me. I am Spot 73, your very best friend, of course. Oh, and I made you? Obviously. Meow. An amazing writer, an amazing comedian. Uh, do you have any uh, early or favorite bits that you recall of Patton's? My favorite, uh, I guess, bit that he did was on Parks and Recreation, where he filibustered. Yes. And I've seen the unedited version. Um, <laughs> that unedited version goes for a long time. So long. He was not he was not told how much Star Wars um, fanfic to write or um, <laughs> I don't know the word is fan of. Oh yeah. Yeah, like he wrote his own version of Star Wars Episode Seven when like the actor Patton Oswalt and then he used it to to be a filibuster character in Parks and Recreation, and the unedited version is very funny. He gets so out of breath, and he goes on for so long. He's like, no one told me how much stuff to write, but I think I'm done. And they were like, yeah, that was perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a really great bit. He, there's, so funny. there's one that I recall, and I think it's because I listened to the book here recently. Um, Patton ends one of his specials. I forget which one. He ends it with an analysis of ESPN commercials that were voiced by legendary Hollywood movie producer Robert Evans. Okay. Do you remember this bit? Um, <laughs> I want to say yes, because probably, but I can't remember off the top of my head. It's so funny, um, especially if you've ever... He actually talks about Robert Evans's. Uh, memoir that he wrote called The Kid Stays in the Picture. Okay. And if you listen to that book, first of all, if you're a fan of like Hollywood history, it's an amazing book because it is told in excruciating detail and Robert Evans does not give a single <laughs> about any of it and he's just like well let me tell you here's what i said and he told me what he was gonna do and i was like well <laughs> like that he says that so many times in the book it's not even funny but like Patton. apparently years later espn decided to get 
Robert Evans to do the voiceover for a bunch of commercials for them. I don't know why. And Patton, just as his closer, riffs on that whole scenario, and it is so damn funny. I absolutely adore it. Um, he, I think his first acting gig was actually an episode of Seinfeld. For real? I think so. Um, very, very early on. I did remember one bit by him. Yeah. But it's a newer bit, a few years old. Yeah. And it was, um, it was talking about cereal boxes and how they changed when you were a kid to when you are an adult. And he's like, you know, when you're a kid, it's fun. And, um, there's so many colors. And, like, he said, the, uh, the color of the cereal is insulting to nature. <laughs> and he's like, the, and the box itself, like, the fun didn't end at the cereal. The box was fun. You'd flip it around and there was a maze. And he said, help Sugar Bat get to his insulin. <laughs> it's a great joke. And then he, you know, of course, flips it over to like, and then you're an adult, and it's just a white a box with plain lettering. Yep. And you flip it around, and it's just information on the farm where they grew the wheat. That's a new cereal now. <laughs> and you're just like, yeah. Uh, that was that was pretty much the bit, but yeah, that was really funny. Oh, that's great. Yeah, he's his. You can tell his stuff is. I mean, he's you know very well educated and it comes across in his writing like oh, yeah. you, you can really tell you know structurally and you know the the different type the, the different verbiage that he uses for different things like he's re- I really really respect him as a as a writer yeah. um, and comedian because he's so great and not to mention like uh, you know when he lost his wife he a lot of people would shut down um he actually picked up and he did even more um, and put and put a lot of that stuff into his writing and into his material in a very funny but respectful way oh, yeah. and I really respected the hell out of him for, for oh, doing all that his, his wife would have wanted him to oh absolutely absolutely let's jump to he only appeared in one episode of Star Trek The Next Generation Season 2, Episode 4, The Outrageous Okona, playing the role of the comic. Former SNL writer and regular Joe Piscopo. Yep. <laughs> Teaching Dana how to do comedy. Yes, and who who better to teach Dana how to do stand-up comedy than the legendary, <laughs> timeless... Uh, so relatable, Joe Piscopo. <laughs> Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. You've been great. As a matter of fact, I'd like to take you all home with me. Unfortunately, I took the last audience home and there's no more room. <laughs> but thank you, really. Thank you. Hey, and thank you for bringing me here. What's up? Mr. Comic, I wish to know what is funny. It's funny, I don't know. It's a matter of opinion, I guess. Uh, Tip O'Neill in a dress. Some people say words that end with a K are funny. Uh, A briefcase that looks like a fish. Personally, I find that hysterical. For those of you who aren't familiar with Joe Piscopo, um, he was one of the figures, you know, on the early... uh, I don't don't know that he was on in the 70s, but he was definitely on in the 80s on Saturday Night Live. Mm -hmm. And since then has kind of become a real weirdo. (laughs) 
He's kind of fell off. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, he was there. He did the thing. He's got some, he's, uh, by my count, he's got five specials. Wow. Under his belt. So, uh, yeah. Wow, well, yeah. I don't know any bits by him, but I have heard a lot of his stuff. He, he does, he definitely does a lot of characters. Um, which I guess you need to do for SNL. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so moving right along, we've got. Hold on, hold on. I want to go back to the data joke. Oh yeah, data. I, I love this episode because data is trying to figure out humor. Yes. And <laughs> when you break down humor, it is funny and stupid because you can break down a joke so long to where it's just not funny anymore. Oh yeah. And yeah, he's like, so "Why is this funny?" And it's like, I, I don't know. It's hard to explain humor. It's kind of like a child. Because mm-hmm. I tried to figure out humor when I was a kid. I remember that. Yeah. I tried to figure it out. I was like, "Why is that funny?" And what makes something funny? Because I was not the funny kid. Uh-huh. Funny kids were popular and cool. I was just some weird homeschooler. <laughs> but I remember the joke that Data does to probably somebody on this list. Yeah. Um, do you know the joke? Uh, I recall bits of it, but yeah, go ahead. Hit, hit me with it. So it's not... Well, let's see if you recognize who he's quoting. Okay. Um, the joke that Data delivers, and he's trying to do it like an Italian guy, and I'll do my best. Okay. I'll do my best to ride the line of racist impression versus respect. Um, it's, uh, I went to the doctor. The doctor said I needed a test ran, and I said, can I get a second opinion? And he said, yeah, you're ugly too, but I'm bum. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how Data delivered the joke. It sounds like... It sounds like a Dangerfield joke. Yep, it is. Okay, all right. All right. <laughs> it is a Rodney Dangerfield joke that he does. Which, of course, that's one of the most classic oh, joke-telling yeah. structures. He he is one of the few timeless comedians. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. He would have been... I think he would have been a lot of fun in Star Trek. There's, oh, there's a lot of comedians working. Like, as I was doing my research for this, um, I was going down the list of, like, you know, pretty popular comedians. I was like, oh, they've they've had to have done one episode of some, some of some yeah. Star Trek. Nope. There were so many people that I was just kind of like, oh man, that's such a bummer that they uh, that they weren't in it. And some comics who have passed away. Like, can you imagine like George Carlin as a, <laughs> as a Starfleet admiral? Oh yeah. Oh my god, that would have been so awesome. <laughs> He'd be great. He would almost be a good. Um kind of did this in one of the in one of the I think movies where the Admiral turned out to kind of be bad oh like he'd be good like because he's never been by the rules and George Carlin is always like against the structure and against government right so right he, but he could like play along for the whole episode and at the end he's like no I'm I'm screwing up the order and I, I don't know <laughs> yeah absolutely I think there's a lot of people uh, I feel like I feel like Dangerfield would have been like a good uh, morale officer Okay. Like the morale officer who's who's always like, come on, no. uh, yeah, hey, come on, uh, hey, come on, what's what's going on? Here? Yeah, come on, kid, you're in Starfleet. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I think my danger field was getting slowly closer to dice. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> very opposite, or yeah. opposite, but very different comedian. Yeah, I, oh, that that's a funny bit. Is like if Andrew Dice Clay gets into Starfleet, like, hey, just to let you know, you've got a new you've got a new Starfleet officer joining your crew today. Um, he's a little off. <laughs> he's going to say some things that aren't really going to jive with our mission statement, but, uh, he's a really great officer. Just give him a chance. <laughs> really 
just don't send him on any diplomatic missions if, if you can if you can avoid that. <laughs> All right. So the last two comedians that I've got have, in addition to being working stand-up comedians, um, have also won some awards, and they were both in the documentary The Aristocrats. Have you seen The Aristocrats? No. Oh, I want to. It's such such a great slice of comedy history. Yes, and a good name, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, first up is um, in the role of Rain Robinson from Voyager, Season 3, Episodes 8 and 9, Future's End, Parts 1 and 2. Sarah Silverman. Sarah Silverman. Excuse me. Do not enter. Employees only. The sign on the door. Uh, I'm sorry. I think we're a little lost. We were on the museum tour and we took a wrong turn at the Saturn exhibit. Perhaps you could tell us how to get back to the lobby. Go back down the hall, take a left at Mars, right at Halley's Comet, and then just keep going straight ahead past the soda machine. What do you think of, uh, what do you think of Sarah? I think she needs to blow her nose. (laughs) I am a fan. (laughs) I like Sarah. I think she's very intelligent. Yeah. Um, She has a lot of a lot of gross but good jokes, some dark jokes. And she was young. I recently, or not recently, but a year or two ago, I saw a picture of her in Star Trek. Because I'd seen the episode before, but yeah, I saw a picture of her recently in the episode. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's a child. Yeah, she's a baby. Oh, um, it's so funny. <laughs> but oh, she makes a good host on. Um, she had a show, Good Morning America. Or I love you, America. Yes, she was yeah. a good host on that show. She's very political, so if you don't like that kind of stuff, definitely not for everyone. Oh yeah, and I think uh, like I think she's gotten more political. Oh yeah, definitely more recently. Like her her shtick was always the cute girl who says really dirty things. Yes, like that yes. was her that was her thing for a long long time. But I think in the wake of you know the Trump era and all of that stuff, like a lot of writers, a lot of comedians. Uh, you know, sort of like, okay, this is this is changing, this is changing the world, and we either have to, you know, adapt and continue to speak our minds on this thing, continue to comment because that's kind of what we do as comedians. Like, we comment on the world around us, good, bad, or whatever. Oh yeah, you know. So uh, yeah, she was also a writer. A featured player and has hosted Saturday Night Live. Yes, and uh, she's got uh, an Emmy or two under her belt as well. Like very successful. She's very good. Yeah, she's very good. She recently uh, guest hosted the not the late night show. What was the Trevor Noah? Oh, the Daily Show. The Daily Show. Yeah, yeah, it was good. She had a few good bits from it. Nice. It was very funny. Yeah, have, have they? They haven't settled on a new host, have they? No, I think they're doing guests for now. Kind of like Jeopardy was for a while. Okay. Um, I'd be surprised if it doesn't end up being Roy Wood Jr. Really? I think it's going to be Roy. Be? Yeah. Uh, he's a good choice. Yeah, he's a good choice. I like I like his I like his stuff, and he's got some he's got great viewpoints and solid material. Like he's got he's a great personality. Like in my you know in my humble opinion. I feel like he checks a lot of boxes, so... He does. He does. I figure they might go with a woman, not Sarah, because she's too big of a name. She's got her own stuff going on. Right. But I figure they might go with a woman this time around. 
just, they might. just because they might not. I, I don't. I, you know, they should they should get who's best for the job. But I don't know. I, for some reason, I thought I read that somewhere. Do you have somebody you you think would do well? No, I don't. I don't have anybody in mind. Um, there's a lot of female, like very funny female comedians that I love, but I don't think any of them would necessarily make good. Well, Sarah would be the best option, but mm-hmm. I think she's too big of a name. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's it's hard to you know. You hard to lock her down for like a season or series or years to do that show. Yeah, because I was looking at like the tenure of like John Stewart and um, and Trevor and even Stephen Colbert and doing their types of stuff. I mean, we're talking a decade it's minimum. So much. It's such a big commitment. At, at the same time, flip side of the coin, that's a really nice paycheck. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. If you if she if, yeah if anyone was like you know what I'm gonna take break from everything else and just do this that's yeah. a perfect gig yep no more movies no more working the road i'm gonna yeah. go sit in a studio for a decade oh that'd be so comfortable that'd be all, that'd be all right, that'd be all, right uh... <laughs> all right last but not least i i think i think i've saved one of the best for last for sure she was in 28 episodes of star trek the next generation two episodes of picard she was in Star Trek Generations and Star Trek Nemesis in the role of Guinan, Whoopi Goldberg. What's wrong? I can't just miss a dear old friend. You can, but I've held your hand while you've navigated Federation diplomacy disasters. I've seen you face down some new galactic threat. We have jumped universes together. I gotta say, I don't remember ever seeing you look quite like Oh, oh, I'm going to take that back. I have seen you look like this. And it's serious, so this, as lovely as it is, is not going to cut it. So, top shelf or hooch? Hooch, I think. Sorry and Brandy it is. Uh, not to mention, an EGOT winner. She's got an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. Oh, that's awesome. I did not know that about her. Yeah. Four specials, by my count, four specials uh-huh. under her belt and was in The Aristocrats. Like, that's great. Yeah. A really fantastic writer. To me, when I would watch that um, comic relief, those specials that would come out every year with uh, Robin Williams, Billy Crystal, and Whoopi. Yes. Um, it was... I, in terms of, like, levels of comedy, I'm like, I don't know who organized this, but these three people have to be probably the best. Arguably the best in the world. Because, I mean, Robin Williams was such a force. And I don't know of any comedian that really had a bad thing to say about Robin. Oh, such a good dude. Yeah, so I was like, you know, Billy Crystal was also working for years and years and years. Did he do stand-up? Billy? Billy? He was on Saturday Night Live. I don't know. Yeah. I know he was involved with theater, but I don't know that he had, like, okay. a one-man show or, like, a stand-up special. Yeah, he's definitely got some chops. Oh, yeah. Um, he and Josh Gad had a one-season show that I watched, and it was called The Comedians. It was a duo. They were playing themselves, or versions of themselves. Yeah. And uh, they did a lot of sketches together, and it sadly ended after one season. Hey, you know, well, that's pretty good. Every good comedian knows when to get off stage. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good 
point. Yeah, I might get off stage in five minutes tonight. <laughs> Who knows? Oh man, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's tricky. You know, when you get into like looking at, and then we'll get back to Whoopi here in just a second. But it's it's a interesting thing to look at when you see a performer who comes up, and then you see them start getting writing credits, getting producing credits, getting directing credits and things like that. Yeah. It's like, Oh, that it's, it goes beyond just take my wife, please. Like it's, there's a lot of talent underneath there. I think most comics who have read the book, the comedy Bible, which is a, a great resource for anybody. Yeah. I've been meaning to read it. It's, I just can't read. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's an issue. Ben. <laughs> but in that book, one of the first things they hit on is, Hey, look, if you get good at stand-up, that does not necessarily mean you're going to be the next world's biggest comic, but it can open doors to acting, writing, directing, advertising, all kinds of things. So I don't think anybody should be disappointed when they see their favorite comedian take a role in a writer's room or, or sit, or sit behind the camera on a film or something like that. Like, no, no, no. Like if you, if you have enjoyed this person's talent, just wait, they've got something else coming for you. (laughs) You want to see their range, see what they can do. Oh yeah. Yeah. Some, uh, Mitch, Mitch Hedberg actually has a really good joke. One of of my favorite comedians ever. (laughs) Um, he's got a joke about what we're talking about, but on the other side. Oh yeah. You're in Hollywood and you're a comedian. Everybody wants you to do other things besides comedy. They say, all right, you're a stand-up comedian. Can you act? Can you write? Write us a script. They want me to do things that's related to comedy, but not comedy. That's not fair. (laughs) It's as though if I was a cook and I worked my ass off to become a good cook. They said, all right, you're a cook. Can you farm? That's such a great bit. I love it. It's a great comparison. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, I, no, I'm a comedian, man. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, Whoopi Goldberg, like, what do you think of her in the role of Guinan? Like, she's oh, been such perfect. a, it, she was such an integral part, although, like, only 28 episodes of the entire series. But people remember her from that. Yeah. The character. No, Big her, time. Her cadence was perfect for the character, I yeah. thought. The way she carried herself, just kind of the trustingness of her. Mm-hmm. demeanor I thought was great yeah um, she, she's a good actor as well as and comedic oh um, yeah kind of the same vein of Robin Williams like he could be you know Good Will Hunting he could be very serious even though he's extremely comedically talented yeah um I don't know how a lot of like funny people would do if they had to play a serious role oh yeah um, yeah it's definitely it's not universal it's not universal for sure going back to sarah silverman like i remember her in school of rock where she plays she plays the one character's girlfriend who's an absolute bitch like (laughs) but she played it so well it's just like oh i I love sarah but i hate this i hate this character (laughs) which is good that means you're a good actor yeah exactly exactly Poor, poor joffrey having to quit acting oh yeah because he played Joffrey so well in Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. I did want to say, I am very surprised that Robin Williams was never a character on Star Trek. Yeah, he would have been great. Um, a lot of things. Uh, yeah, it's like, okay, I think the first question 
and and then we'll get back to Whoopi. But the first question about Robin is, do you see him in Starfleet or not? No. Not no. Starfleet. Okay. I'm thinking more like Q. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that good? That would have been fun. Yeah. Or something adjacent to that. But that, that improv, that throw his improvisational, okay. I don't know if that's a real word. Yeah. Um, his, that talent into Starfleet and how structured they are and just let him run around on the bridge. Just let Robin Williams do things. <laughs> don't even give him a script. Just say, hey, you're an alien. You got a few little magic powers. You don't mean harm, but, like, you love mischief and, you know, just whatever. It's Mork. It's, it's Mork. If, if, Mork from, if Mork from Ork, like, landed on the Enterprise, uh, yes. this is what would happen. That's yep. so funny. <laughs> but genuinely, I'm actually surprised he never got a role in it. Uh, I know. I, I think he could have been a great little character. Oh, yeah. I know he lobbied really hard for a role in the Batman franchise. He apparently was a really big Batman fan. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. I know Michael Jackson tried to buy the rights to Spider-Man to play Spider-Man. I know! (laughs) (laughs) Actually, we just got done talking about uh, the Spider-Man, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy on the other show that I'm on, Cinema Shot. Oh, yeah. And we dove into... Such a good two movies. Not only we did we cover all three movies, but we also did an episode at the beginning covering all the versions that almost happened. Oh wow! Yeah. And that was one of them. There, there was, there was, a, it, there were a lot more than people realized. Yeah. Um, that's a fascinating franchise. But let's jump back to Whoopi here. <laughs> yes. Um, she was in twenty-eight episodes of Next Gen, and then we get to see her again, but only for two episodes in Picard. But she was also in Generations and Nemesis. Now, one of the one of the big fun things to see was Guinan helping Data learn humor because you have Whoopi Goldberg, who's a very accomplished comedian. Like it's almost an Easter egg. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then, like knowing what happens to Data in Nemesis with him sacrificing himself and saving Picard and the whole thing. I don't know that we really got a satisfying end to the Guinan arc in Star Trek. Okay. Do you have any thoughts about that? Um, not really. Uh, yeah, I guess there was not the closure you wanted. But you you got to see a character be the character. I guess not all characters need like an arc necessarily. Yeah. yeah. Um, you got to know the character without. <sighs> yeah, I guess it. I don't know. It leaves you un- unsatisfied. Yeah, I would agree. But knowing what a prominent figure Data becomes, uh, you know, especially in the light of Nemesis, and then pretty much throughout. Uh, throughout all three seasons of Picard, um, it would have been nice to see a, maybe just one more, just one more interaction with Data and Guinan to kind of put a nice bow on it, you know? Yeah. Uh, but anyways, yeah. That so that's so that's all the traditional stand-up comics uh, that I found. I'm sure somebody. 
Somebody on the internet is going to correct me and be like, hey, you forgot this person. Well, let me hire you as my as my uh, as my research department. <laughs> there, I, there's only so much I can do. <laughs> yeah, but it's a good list, though. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I I even have a couple of. Uh, we'll call them honorable mentions. Uh, they are not traditional stand up comedians, but they're known for working in comedy in some form or other and have also made appearances in uh, in the Star Trek franchise. So right off the bat, uh, he has played two different characters in the Star Trek franchise. He did seven episodes of Prodigy, and the season five episode 19 of Voyager, um, Think Tank, is Jason Alexander. Um, of course, a lot of people recognize him from Seinfeld, playing George Costanza. Um, he was, he's actually hosted Saturday Night Live. He was in the Aristocrats. He's got an Emmy and at least one Guild Award under his belt. Yeah, yeah. Um, any thoughts on Jason Alexander? Uh, he's definitely one of those, um, <coughs> people who are important to comedy, especially just from Seinfeld alone. Yeah. Um, but that side comedic relief character, who's still a main character, but... Um, he's you, you can't you couldn't have had the aristocrats aristocrats without him right and uh, good actor too at the same time oh yeah yeah he's definitely got some chops I think they uh, you know I think because Jerry was so dead set on not acting yeah <laughs> it's like we need to get some people who are really good actors yeah. <laughs> need someone to carry the show yeah oh <laughs> uh, that's that reminds me of so many other, like, uh, the Smallville show. Oh, yeah. He got better over time, but <laughs> they just hired a model to be the main character. Yep, here's here's Pretty Boy <laughs> Superman. All right, we gotta, we gotta fill this out, this idiot. He looks perfect. <laughs> Unless we're gonna put this guy in spandex, we need some really good actors around him. Yeah, he got better over he time. He did, he did, absolutely. Um, up next, uh, he played the EMH Mark II. Uh, A.K.A. Dr. Bradley uh, in Voyager Season 4, Episode 14, Message in a Bottle, Andy Dick. Andy Dick. Yeah. <laughs> Very famous. Yeah, he's he's important, too. Yeah, well-known well known troublemaker. <laughs> oh, yeah. He lives up to his name. Uh, yeah, yeah, from what I understand. Also appeared in The Aristocrats. Perfect. Yeah, he's, he's kind of... He's kind of a weird-looking guy. He, he is, yeah. You know what I always remember him from? Um, in the Army now with Polly Shore. I have not seen that. Oh my God. Like a lot of people love Son in Law or Encino Man when it comes to like Polly Shore movies. Yeah. But for me, it's In the Army now. I love that movie. And he, Andy Dick, if you know Andy Dick, when you hear that he's the straight man to Polly Shore. <laughs> It's like, oh my god, this is so fun. And then you throw David Alan Greer in the mix. That's funny. Uh, and, and Lori Petty as, like, the cherry on top. Like, oh, this is so much fun. <laughs> um, and then we've got, uh, in the role of Captain Morgan Bateson, in Star Trek The Next Generation Season 5, Episode 18, Cause and Effect, Kelsey Grammer. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Most people obviously know him as Dr. Fraser Crane from, of course, course, Cheers and Fraser. Um, But yeah, like he had, he had that one, he was part of, he was part of a ship that had disappeared and there was a time loop type thing. And when the Enterprise D like figured it out, it released his ship and he had been lost. He and his crew had been lost for like 70 years. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. I think he had a grand total of like 30 seconds of screen time, but (laughs) but yeah, but he was there, man. Wasn't, um, Frazier like more successful than Cheers? Yeah. 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 It was, I mean, if, if you count up like all the different appearances of the character, uh, you know, Dr. Frazier Crane, it's staggering. Like there's a lot. (laughs) Uh, he also hosted Saturday Night Live. Uh, he's got a Grammy and at least one Guild Award under his belt. Like, Kelsey Grammer's a really good actor. Yeah, damn, I didn't, I didn't know that he was that well-known. Oh, well yeah. Respected. I mean, he's, you know, Frazier, obviously, but it's pretty funny. Also appeared in the X-Men franchise as Beast. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people forget Beast. he was uh, Dr. Hank McCoy. The makeup gets you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um... And here's somebody of note. Um, in the role of Ensign Stuart Rivers for two episodes of Enterprise, the only person on this list from Enterprise <laughs> uh, has hosted SNL. And while they are not comedy albums, he has seven albums under his belt. Seth MacFarlane. Seth MacFarlane. The driving force behind Fuzzy Door, uh, the Family Guy franchise. Um, any so, thoughts on Seth MacFarlane? Uh, the Orville. Of course, yeah. <laughs> the Orville. That, that is... Seth is one of my favorite creators. Um, aside from nerdy stuff, I love comedy, obviously. And, yeah. and that... He's a great blend between the two. Cause <laughs> he and like Seth Green are truly big fans of like Star Trek and Star Wars and all that franchise oh yeah and as far as parodies go I love Spaceballs but the Family Guy Star Wars might be my favorite Star Wars parody that's out there oh yeah um and then he makes Seth MacFarlane makes the horrible and I love it I think it's genuinely good it's a really really good show I I described it to certain people because they asked me you know like, we assume you watch this. I'm like, yes. Yes. Like, how would you describe it in relation to Star Trek? And I was like, well, it's Star Trek if people acted the way they did today in <laughs> the general work environment. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, you're absolutely right. With a great cast. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of Star Trek familiars on uh, on the Orville. Uh, some pretty high level directors as well. I think John Favreau directed the uh, the pilot episode of Maybe Orville. For real. Yeah. Yeah. That's- um, but yeah, you know, the funny thing, I mentioned the seven albums, a lot of people, when they hear Seth MacFarlane think Family Guy and, you know, the voice of Peter and the voice of, well, a lot of characters really, he but sings. he is a <laughs> singer beyond compare. He's dude, really good. The dude has got some pipes, man, like yeah. can really, really belt it out. And he can sing in character. Yes. So many voices that he can sing as those characters. It, that and that's tough like it's one thing to do 
Um, it's one thing to do an impression of like, oh, I can sound just like, you know, Scooby-Doo or whatever. But like to be able to embody a character and then do something that that character is not known for, like quoting Shakespeare or singing a song like that is so tough um, to be able to to sustain that uh, over time. Um, up next, we've got somebody who's known more of a character actor, but actually does have uh, a few uh, comedy things under the belt. Uh, Michael McKean. Um, he was a writer and regular and has hosted Saturday Night Live. He appeared on uh, The Aristocrats. He's got a Grammy, but he was the clown in the Voyager episode, The Thaw, which was season two, episode 23. Um, I always think of him as, I guess it was Professor Plum from the movie Clue. But if you want to know who killed Mr. Body, I did, in the hall, with the revolver. Okay, Chief, take him away. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. That's pretty funny. Did you ever? You, you've seen I've, Clue, I've right? Seen Clue. Oh yeah, oh. I think twice in all the alternate endings. Yes. I appreciated it so much more the second time. The first time it was not really my thing, and then I watched it again. And I was like, oh no, this is this is comedy gold. This yeah. is great. It's really great. Tim Curry at his, at his best. Oh yes. Um, uh, another uh, Star Trek alum who makes an appearance in that movie, Christopher Lloyd. Yes, he does. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Michael McKean's been, uh, he was, he was really involved in the folks, uh, with the, with the folks making, uh, Christopher Guest's movies, you know, the, um, Best in Show, This is Spinal Tap, um. I've heard those titles for sure. Yeah, so a big, like, improv background okay. as well. Yeah, uh, so up next, we've got, um, uh, quite honestly someone who is definitely known as a Saturday Night Live alum, doing multiple voices in Season 3, Episode 1 of Lower Decks, the episode titled Grounded, Bobby Moynihan. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think of Bobby? Like, when I when I hear Bobby Moynihan, I always think of one of the dancing skeletons from the David S. Pumpkins oh, skit. Okay, yes. Yeah, yeah. I know very little. I know the name. And I know very little about him, which makes me sad. When when was he on SNL? Oh, uh, it was vaguely. I think since the two thousands. Okay. Yeah, he's one of the. I mean, I don't think he's on SNL anymore. Probably not. But I think he was part of the like the last big go round, the last big like crew. He on SNL, he would always do Drunk Uncle. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um. Oh yeah, all right. Now, I loved now him as Drunk Uncle. So great. Yes. Another um, familiar face from Parks and Recreation uh, in the episode Critical Care, which was season seven, episode five of Voyager. Jim O'Hare. Jim O'Hare. Yeah, aka Jerry, Jerry Larry, Terry. Gary, Terry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all of them. He's great. Yeah. Such a great, uh, such a great character actor. Oh, very much so. I always think of when they did the rap at the end of Parks and Rec, I think like the entire cast went on Seth Meyers mm -hmm. and when they did their, you know, all right, that's it. That's the end of the show. Good night, everybody. 
Aubrey Plaza and Jim O'Hare started making out, <laughs> like hardcore making out. <laughs> it was like That's so funny. Such a bizarre That's thing, so but it was funny. so funny. <laughs> planning that those two did with it. That's so funny. Yes, she's yes. Hilarious. Yes, she really is. Very, very funny. Yes. Oh my god. Alright, so from across the pond, uh, he has made three appearances in the Star Trek Kelvin timeline. Okay. Simon Pegg. Yes. As Montgomery Scott, aka Scotty. Scotty. What do you think of uh, old Simon Peck there? Simon, I, was he, was he in the, well, the Aristocrats was more stand-up, right? Yeah, he was not in the, okay, uh, he was not in the Aristocrats. He is up there as far as, like, <laughs> people behind the scenes and in front of the camera, important, like, comedy people. Yeah. Um, directed, he's a great director. Did he direct the third Star Trek movie? Or, or right, he didn't uh, direct it. He wrote it. He that wrote that it. was the thing that put him on my radar in terms of like nerdy creative talents. Yes, it was like oh, because I was familiar with him, you know, all the way back to um, Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Um, some of my friends know him from Spaced, which yeah. was you know Star Trek adjacent, I would say. Um, but yeah, when when they when he was revealed as one of the writers of the third Star Trek movie, uh, Star Trek Beyond, which was, which is pretty good. Uh, it's my favorite one of the it, trilogy. It's really solid. It's, it's really, really, really good. I think it's a good episode. They even say at the beginning of the movie, like, uh, Kirk says, like, As for me, things have started to feel a little episodic. And then it kicks off the yeah. long episode. I think it's really good. Um, but... Yeah, I, um, have you seen The Boys? Very good yes. show on Amazon Prime. Yes, I have. Um, you know that the the main character, Dewey? I think, oh, yeah. He was originally structured off of Simon Pegg. Oh, that's funny. Uh, he was written in the comic books to look like Simon Pegg and yep. to basically be be played by Simon Pegg <laughs> if it were to ever be adapted. And he aged out of the role, so he plays Dewey's father in, this, in the show. Oh, yeah. Um, but... So... Off of that fun fact, <laughs> the guy who plays Dewey is also a Star Trek actor. Oh, he's he played he is the voice of Boimler on Lower Decks. He's oh, like okay. one of the main like one of the main characters on okay. Lower Decks. In fact, um, his character, along with um, Tawny Newsom's character Beckett Mariner, they are actually making the jump from animation to live action. Their characters are going to appear. On Star Trek Strange New Worlds this coming season. Played by themselves? Played by themselves, yeah. All right. That'll be good. <laughs> and his hair is going to be purple, and he's going to be all, like, weird and twitchy and nervous all the time. He can definitely do it. Oh, yeah. He <laughs> can definitely do it. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's, I love I love Simon Pegg. Um, I have his book. I haven't gotten around to read it yet, but, like... That's something I'd be interested in. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm really interested to hear about it from his perspective. Of course, you know, growing up in England and getting you know hooked up with Nick Frost and Edgar Wright. And, um, Gosh, that's so cool. Yeah, he's got a great rap sheet of. Oh yeah, not to mention like, oh, and he's also in those Tom Cruise movies that make billions yeah. of dollars. Oh, yeah. Like just little side characters. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Love Simon Pegg. Um, and last but not least, 
for two episodes of Discovery and the star and director of the short treks, the escape artist in the role of Harry Mudd is Rain Wilson. Rain Wilson. Yeah. Oh, Harry Mudd. Uh, resurrection of a character. Yes. Such a great turn of the the character. Um, Of course, most people know uh, Rain Wilson from his role as uh, Dwight Schrute on The Office, the American version of The Office. Um, His career, I actually recently covered a lot of his uh, his stuff with a friend of ours, uh, Melly Kazel. Melly Kazel is yeah. a very good friend of mine. She, yeah. She's wonderful. Yeah. Very funny comedian. Yes. Very funny. Very talented. Good, vo- good vocal work. Like, oh, yeah. really solid. Really solid performer. Um, and an absolute sweetheart. Love her to death. <laughs> she's adorable. Yeah. Um, but we talked about Rain Wilson and his turn as Harry Mudd. Um, do you have a early, an early memory of like your first introduction to Rain Wilson? It was most likely The Office. Oh, it was hundred percent The Office. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, <coughs> it, the Office. I definitely got to know him through that. Yeah. And then the the first time I ever saw him out of The Office, and it took me too long to realize who it was. Was <laughs> Galaxy Quest. Yes. In Galaxy Quest. Yeah. That is one of the alien creatures. I can't remember the names. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And he, he's one of the main guys. And it took, I was like, I know his face, but he's in like white makeup mm-hmm. and weird hair. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, it's the guy from The Office. Uh, I eventually watched the movie Super. Yes. Uh, Love that. Yeah. By James Gunn. Is it James Gunn? Yes. James uh, Gunn. Directed the movie Super. And he's the star. He plays just the worst superhero ever. <laughs> Um, alongside with, with um, like Elliot Page. Yes, and, Elliot Page. Uh, yeah, and uh, they're they're both really good in the roles. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very funny, very weird. There's twists you don't really see coming. Michael Rooker is in it. Oh, I forgot Rooker. He, he plays Yondu in <laughs> in Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, there's just a lot of like Easter eggs, just of like kind of famous people, but it's this weird artsy superhero movie from kind of before its time in a way yeah it was kind of uh in that first in that first big wave of those superhero movies here was this kind of off the beaten path you know trauma-esque roger corman-esque type superhero movie um with a lot of great you know cameos like you said and stuff like that and it really holds up it it's does it's a lot of fun. You mentioned it's, Galaxy Quest. Uh-huh. I always tell people, like, in terms of Star Trek, you've got the shows and you've got the movies. The other Star Trek movie is Galaxy Quest, and the other Star Trek show is the Orville. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this... Um, Rain Wilson's had a really great run. Do you have, do you have a favorite Jim and Dwight moment? Jim and Dwight moment? Yeah. Ooh, man. There's a lot of them. Yeah, there are so many of them. <laughs> um, I love Asian Jim. <laughs> That's a great one. That's a good one. There's so many. <coughs> well, uh, there's so many funny ones that I'll say one of my favorite moments was when he has to tackle him into the ground to prevent him from going into the big meeting. 
um, because he knew that if Dwight went into this big meeting, because they were pitching some product, yeah, uh, that Dwight would get fired, and he has to tackle him, and like he has to fight him and tackle him to prevent him from getting fired, and it was like a heartfelt moment. Um, um, <laughs> it was like season eight, I think. Yeah, and he's played so many pranks on Dwight that in the very end he prevented his friend from getting fired, and like that kind of got me because I didn't see that coming. I don't think we had many serious moments between them. Yeah. It's always just Jim being the worst coworker <laughs> to Dwight, who's also the worst coworker, but in a different way. Oh, yeah. I think my favorite, I mean, it's it's been done to death in memes and all the stuff is the uh, Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> That's probably the best one as far as comedy goes. Well, the, uh, the other one I think is when it's Jim... Michael and Dwight in the conference room. What is your name, sir? I am Bill Butlicker. Really, that's your real name? How dare you? My family built this country, by the way. Be respectful, Dwight, please. Oh, yes, Michael. Could you hold on one second? That's my other line. What? No, but I... Hello? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just on the phone with this stupid salesman. He's so dumb. Probably just gonna keep him on the line forever and not buy anything. <laughs> okay. It's up to you to change his mind. Sorry, that was a family emergency. Oh no, what's wrong? You know what? That's private. Boundaries, Dwight, come I'm on. I'm sorry, Mr. Butlicker. As I was saying, <sighs> we're having a limited... Speak up a little bit louder, I'm hard of hearing. He's hard if he's an old man. Okay, so. as I was saying, right now yeah, we are having... talk louder. Okay, our prices have never been lower. Son, you have Certain... to talk louder. Never been lower. Louder, I... son! Butlicker! Our prices have never been lower! Stop it, stop it! He... Is totally inappropriate. <laughs> oh my Michael god! Was super into it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the acting chops on Rain Wilson is are incredible. Yes. Oh my god. There's a show where he plays a detective. Uh, it's one season, and he's like a uh, big be. What's the word? Be begrunzled, begrunged. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, Disgruntled detective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's all, he's got a bunch of scruff. It's like, I think it's one of the first things he did once the office ended. Oh, okay. And I can't remember the name of it, even though I love it. It's just one season, and he's a detective, and he's like, just rough and angry all the time. And um, he's a really good detective. I'll find, I'll find a link, and I'll put it in the show notes. So if anybody's listening, uh, you know, check out the show notes. I'll, yeah. I'll put something in The there. title of the show is his name, or the character's name. Oh. Um, I can't remember. I vaguely recall this now. It yeah. Was, yeah. I thought it was pretty good. I was surprised it didn't get um, picked up. Oh, it's gonna, that's going to bother the crap out of me. <laughs> he was also in the most recent um, mockumentary for Weird Al, the Yank of It. Yes. He plays a character. Dr. Demento. Dr. Demento. Oh, that's such a good movie. I, I recently watched it, too. And, yeah. Wow, what a great... What a great... Uh, <laughs> what a great movie. I think the show is called Backstrom. Okay. I think Backstrom. I think okay. that was the last name of the detective that he played. I think. Maybe that's wrong. But, yeah. Um, there's one more Rain Wilson property that I... Well, he, the the only other thing that I've seen um, recently that I really enjoyed was uh, I think it's called like Harry and Marge Go Large, and it's about this older couple that finds a loophole in the lottery, 
and Rain Wilson is the clerk at the convenience store where they buy all their tickets. Okay. Um, and that's a really fun movie. It's uh, available now on Paramount Plus. Um, do you uh, have any other? Well, let's get. So that's all. So that's all the comedians and comedic actors that I've noted here. Um, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time. Of course, I um, actually have another comedic actor. Yeah, yeah. Hit me with it. Um, at least I'm pretty sure. Tasha Yar. Tasha Yar was. Um, I would not describe her as a comedic actor. Okay. Um, it's Denise Crosby. Okay. But she is the the fun fact about her. Her, she is the granddaughter of Bing Crosby. Oh, really? The singer. Yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So I I watched an interview with her two years ago, and this is so this is me going off of memory. Okay. Um, and she said that she took the role because she thought it was a comedic role in Star Trek because the only, her, the, the episode that she read for mm-hmm. was when she was supposed to be like in love with Captain Picard <laughs> and that's what she read for and was like, oh, this is a funny character. I want to play this character. And then oh, it funny. wasn't comedic at all. Yeah. And, uh, I think that was her and I think that was the interview. This is like years old interview, but um yeah the uh, she did another interview recently kind of a career retrospective where they were talking about you know the first things you know in the career one of the first things she did was posing playboy really yeah and the interesting thing about that uh besides the fact that she's in playboy was that she almost didn't get the gig because she cut all her hair off and they were like, we can't have this, we can't have this woman with this pixie little boy haircut. And they're, and so, How progressive. well, they ended up getting, uh, you know, a, a photographer who took really unique shots and, you know, used unique lighting and they went and did the shoot and they're like, yeah. And it actually did kind of start to change things at Playboy. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. So, um, any other parting thoughts uh, about Star Trek, about comedy, about your very first experience on the Computer Resume podcast? Uh, (laughs) Any parting thoughts before we go? Um, Thank you for having me. Uh, I I don't think we talked about my first memory of Star Trek. Oh, no? Maybe. Oh, my God. Yeah, let's yeah, let's get into that. It's usually something you ask. I it is usually <laughs> so I don't I don't know I was so focused on the comedy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like when did Star Trek come into play for you? Um around the time of Star Wars. Oh, um, interesting. A little bit after. Okay. Um you know, we we talked about it before, but like you know, Star, Star Trek is a little bit not I don't want to say advanced, but it's definitely you know, think a little bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah. For it. ethical dilemmas, whereas Star Wars is a little more blatant, good and evil. Yeah, adventure type um, thing. Yeah, and I love ethical dilemmas. I, I the, the concept of it, like I, I like Black Mirror a lot. Oh yeah, just the modern day Twilight Zone. Of course. Um, but my father was a big fan of the original Star Trek series, which is my personal favorite series. Really? Yes, and I love Next Generation. Don't get me wrong. It's a close, close second. Voyager's third. 
And uh, but the original series has a, a place in my heart because I've seen it all the way through multiple times. Nice. And uh, he really loved it. We watched it on TV, and I remember thinking it was cool. And my favorite Star Trek character of all time is Spock, for sure. Oh, nice. Uh, which is humorous in and of itself, in that he's not a humorous character. Yeah. He can be. But the fact that I like humor and nerdy stuff, the fact that Spock is my favorite is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, and he's got funny moments. You, know, you, 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 you always need a straight man to have... Not always, but a straight man goes well with um, comedy timing and stuff. Absolutely. But I became a fan because my dad was a fan. And then we, I, I definitely watched um, Next Generation episodes without him. Uh, not because he didn't like it. He liked it, too. He just wasn't as familiar. But I loved Next Generation, and I started watching those without him. Just on TV. Before streaming was a thing. Nice. Just catch the episode, memorize the... Of course, memorize the schedule. Yeah, <laughs> what um, was there? Was there a character in Next Gen that stuck out for you? Yes, uh, my favorite character in Next Gen is Jordy LaForge, hands down. Good call. Um, and it took me a very long time to realize it was the Reading Rainbow, <laughs> um, Reading Rainbow guy. Um, do I know the name of? LeVar Burton. LeVar Burton, thank yeah. you. Good <laughs> lord. He was in Community. Very funny. Yes. Yes, he was. Show. Uh, as himself. That was hilarious. And an amazing director as well. Yes. Um, but I do miss the visor. I think they should have brought that back for Picard, but obviously I'm partial. I, I just remember thinking as a kid, like, cool character and cool look. Mm-hmm. Um, just really cool all around. Um, and plus, if I pick data i'm just repicking spot <laughs> yeah exactly that's very true uh, but yeah before just hands down my favorite yeah i've i've gone on record a couple times as saying like it's hard for me to pick a favorite character uh, like singular character i really love the interactions and the combinations of characters yes um you know having jordy and data be best friends um yeah. and I'll, I'll never forget i think it was Riker who walked in on them and they were you know talk they were going over painting and Riker kind of pointed out the humor of a blind man teaching a robot how to paint <laughs> and it was it was pretty funny but um yeah the uh I, I always loved the combinations of characters and I was a big fan of Deanna Troy Deanna Troy was very uh important in the development of young Todd A. Davis <laughs> very nice uh, you know here young man what do we think about this <laughs> like oh I like that I like oh, that a lot <laughs> oh yeah um, well anyways thank you so much uh, for uh, for allowing me to rant and rave about Star Trek and comedy pretty much for this entire time and thank you for driving <laughs> yeah, of course hopefully I've done an okay job oh yeah sick. no you no you've done great you've done great uh, well, folks, next time we will get back to our normal trek through the entire franchise. See what I did there? Uh, which you can follow along with us because everything is available on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, ben, what do you have going on that people can uh, follow and seek out and support your work in comedy? Well, I would love the follows on social media, of course, to watch my videos and, I don't know, like and share. 
Uh, but TikTok and Instagram, it's Ben Jennings Comedy. You can add me on Facebook. I like having more friends. Um, and I sometimes post nerdy stuff on my personal Instagram, which is Benny and the Jennings, a play on Benny and the Jets. Uh, and that's, that's where I post all my anything nerdy, uh, or, you know, Star Trek stuff or Star Wars or Batman stuff. And, uh, yeah, follow me on social media. If you're in the Greenville area, come to the lounge every second and fourth Wednesday for a free comedy show at 730. And I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials. From all of us at the Computer Resume Podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you in 10 forward. Like, rate, review, and share on all your favorite platforms. Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcasts at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Computer Resume Podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop. And our outro music was provided with permission by Dronode. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn. And the voice of Computer Resume Podcast and executive producer, me, Kat Davis. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods. And we're going to find a brand new race. How's that for a slice of fried gold?